Hello and welcome to episode 344 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going pretty well, Andrew. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Um, first week of finals has been um, done and dusted. Um, if you had to rate the quality of the finals games in general out of 10, what would you rate them collectively? Um, out of 10? Yeah. Uh, five. I was going to say five. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the phrase that I came up with during the week to describe one game would be very fitting for all of them. That is excitingly underwhelming. <laughs> there was, you know, there, it felt like there was really only one game for me that looked like a finals game, and it was probably the one that I least expected to feel like finals game. But we'll get to that one eventually. Yeah, so um, essentially the the first one was uh, Melbourne, Dick and Manly once again. What a great rivalry. Everyone talks about the rivalry between Manly and Melbourne. Essentially, it's all based on the fact that it was just a dust-up once, and that's it. Yeah, 10 years ago, they were showing the dust-up over and over again. Um, of course, the Seagulls put on a record scoreline on the Storm in a grand final. I can't remember if the Storm were legal in that grand final or not. I don't uh, believe they were. Okay. And the so other reason they, why they won that was, I think, um, Cameron Smith got suspended for trying to, uh, essentially trying to twist Sam Thiday's head off its shoulders. That's right, yeah. It was it was it looked like he was trying to get the uh, lid off a bottle. I remember yeah. that. But, yeah, so I guess them not being legal, that doesn't that result doesn't really count. So, no. and, and the other the other times that they've played each other, Melbourne's put on a big score against them. They've never had a close finals match. <laughs> what did you think about... I mean, I think that Manly are not the team that people believe they are. I think that they've had they've been like a rich man's Newcastle in that they've had a pretty good run, but I don't believe they're one of they're able to beat any of the top teams really. Um, and I thought that Melbourne just showed that golfing class. It, it was not really a contest at all at any point. Yeah, look, I think what we've got with Manly is um, their their way of playing is quite effective against teams that aren't very strong consistently mm. in defence. And Melbourne's not one of those teams they're going to be good against. Melbourne weren't... They weren't overly impressive in any one area. Like, you, you have a look at the, a lot of the tries they scored, and they weren't elaborate. No. They also weren't fluky but it was a lot of um, off the back of a block play or uh, hitting the lead runner close to the line, which, I mean, that's their pet play, and they've been doing that for years. Yeah. And it was still effective. Um, it's a lot of that. And just being smart with their kicking game. Don't kick it straight to Trebojevic. Kick it to a winger. Yeah. And, you know, you, you take him out of the game that way. And that's all they did. They did very basic stuff to keep him out of the game, and it forced DCE to try and do a lot more playmaking than he's otherwise comfortable doing. And when that happens, he does tend to have the odd fuck up. And the other thing too, that I think it really showed was what a passenger foreign is in the side. He, he just gave them nothing really. Um, and look, that's fair enough. It, when you look at where he is in his career and he's been able to do a job for them this year, but I think against the top sides, it really gets shown up. I was 
really surprised at how effective it was, the tactic of how about we just tackle Tom Trebojevic when he gets the ball rather than standing back and watching him. Yeah. That seemed to be a really interesting tactic. I don't think most teams have really thought of. Um, and they just kind of, I wouldn't say they took him out the game, but they just showed what a good team can do when they've got a plan. Yeah, and I think that's the good thing is that the, the Storm Edge uh, defenders are able to rush up and pull off a defensive game plan like that and make it work on someone like Tom Dravojevic. I don't think there's too many teams that can. Um, And so that's what was effective. Uh, The other thing that was surprising to me was how poor Melbourne's forwards were through the middle. I'm sorry, Manly's forwards were through the middle. They struggled to penetrate through there. And it just meant that Melbourne's, you know, they had that hooker rotation of Harry Grant and, and Brandon Smith. They were just able to keep moving through the middle. Yeah, I, look, I, I, I just think Mel, I, the Manly Seagulls feel like a team that could have really easily just been the eighth place team, you know. And I think that they ran into a few sides that there, there was some of them they surprised. There was a couple of them where Trebojevic was just unstoppable. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, a lot of people saying, oh, they were smoky and all this, and I never really felt that. And I'm not taking anything away from them. I, that's just how I felt about their overall premiership credentials. And then, then they come up against the best team in the comp in the first round. I mean, they had the hardest game this weekend, which I think is kind of weird to me about the way the draw is, that you can finish in eighth place in the competition and you've got one of the easier opponents to face where you can, you know, finish, say, in first place and end up having to play fourth. But it's a weird thing to me. I don't understand that. Yeah, I was going to say, too, about Manly, it's, you look at their draw for the year. Yeah. Pretty soft. Oh, really? Yeah, so, I mean, it started out pretty rough because they had the Roosters, and that's a full-strength Roosters in round one. They got pumped. They yep. then played South, so it not too bad. Um, lost to the Dragons. That was a shit game. Then they got flogged by Penrith. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it starts to ease up a bit. Warriors, Titans, Tigers, Penrith again, where they lost. Warriors, Brisbane, Parramatta, who they beat. So that's probably their, their next strongest game there after the two games against Penrith. Yeah. They lost to Newcastle, then they beat the Cowboys, the Titans, the Bulldogs. They lost to Canberra, and that was a shit performance by them. Um, then they beat the Dragons, the Tigers, the Sharks, lost to the Storm, flogged Parramatta, beat Canberra by one, beat the Bulldogs, beat the Cowboys. It's not that hard a draw when you look at it. Yeah, that's, and I there's mean, a lot of soft games there. And there's an awful lot of hindsight goes into that. But even if you look at it with knowing who finished in the top eight in 2020, mm-hmm. that's still pretty soft. Yeah, definitely. So it did um, cover up an awful lot there. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if Manly put a score on this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um. I also wouldn't be surprised if they lose in straight sets and they disappear. I just think that that's the sort of team they are. They're either going to smash someone or get smashed. And that's, yeah. that's where this weekend will go for them. I, I feel the same. Um, so they lost that game 40-12. to 12. The next game was the Roosters versus Titans, a close one. The <sighs> Roosters pulled out a 25-24 win. But I, I don't know. I know you did some commentary on this one. Um, I just felt like the Roosters looked like a club that was just out on its feet from the get-go. 
and the Titans look like they should have beaten them by about 20 points, but they made so many errors and so many stuff-ups and just loser plays, and that's how they lost the game. I mean, even to the very last second of the match. The Titans still do not know how to use David Vafita. And the last few weeks, what we've seen is he is is genuinely now in the Ellis Corridor. Yeah. He's playing that wide, so far wide, that he's now almost entirely useless because he's got a winger outside him and that's it. And so you've got to get through so many hands before you actually get to him. It's just insane. And even in that very last play, I mean... Yeah, the, it was a. Um, I forgot who it was. The center, anyway, for for the Titans. Instead of passing the ball to Fafita, he runs it himself. Yeah. And when you look at where Fafita is, he's standing behind the center. Yeah. You know, he's trying to get wider than the center. <laughs> like fucking hell, man! Get in field. Go looking for the ball. Don't wait for it to come to you. You you big prick. Go fucking look for it and get it and just steamroll someone he should have he should have taken that ball before the center got it but they're going to sit there and blame the center instead you know it's just fucking stupid what's he doing waiting that's when you're a big time player that's your moment to be clutch and to prove that you're worth the money you're on and he stands there and wait for someone to pass in the ball you got to go looking for it man with the size you are with the defense that's scattered but yeah the the roosters were um scrappy there's a lot of shepherds in that game. It was just clunky from both sides. It was, it was not a finals match. It was just woeful to watch. Yeah, it was It was a rough one and frustrating as well. Um, just on for feed up, a million bucks a year. And as you say, he's just waiting out there um, for the ball to get to him. And, you know, a lot of the tries he's scoring at the moment, he's basically scoring tries as a winger. You know, he's, he's putting the ball down just inside this uh, touchline. Um they got to work that out. I mean, if it was me, I would be getting him in the off-season. I know he's a strong dude, but I think that what I would do is I would try and cut a couple of kilos off him, get him working on his footwork, because if you can do that and get him using footwork around the middle of the field, I think that he'll be far more effective and far more uh, far more useful in terms of his salary cap space because he needs to be making a lot of tackles and a lot of meters, and at the moment he's just basically a, a less mobile center, and yeah. one that comes off the bench, which is insane for a million yeah. dollar player. Exactly, it's uh, that wasn't a great game. And look, to be honest, um, I'm not going to take a great deal away from the Roosters because their team's been decimated this year. They're playing with a bits and pieces spine almost. Yeah, one hundred percent. And the fact that they're still winning games. Is a credit to them, um, but I don't see them being that strong or that genuine a threat in the finals race. But they will be a nuisance. They've got enough class in that side to be a nuisance to the top sides and make them work for the wins. But I don't see them making a grand final. No, I I could also see them running into a, a storm or a a Penrith or a. Souths. I mean, at this stage, they would be running into Souths if they won next week, and it just be the straw that breaks the camel's back, and they get thrashed. It's because it's just too much, you know. Yeah. Um, but 
but I, you know, I can't blame him. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, oh, you know, it, it, it's just, it's pretty amazing that they're there. <laughs> yeah, I, I fully agree. It's been impressive. Um, what was the next game? Next it game, was, uh, Penrith, Penrith v Panthers. South. Yeah, Panthers lost to South, ten points to sixteen. Um, Penrith's attack looked clunky. It looked uh, didn't look dangerous at all. I didn't think either of these sides sides played that well. I thought they both slowed the game down as much as possible, which you know, in some ways, you would have thought that it would have worked in Penrith's favour. But because their attack wasn't very, you know, potent, it, it didn't really help them at all. Um, there was really only Crichton looked dangerous when he had the ball, and I thought Cleary looked hesitant to run the ball. And I I don't think it was a physical thing. I, you know, he's carrying that shoulder injury, but I don't think it was anything like that. I think he was maybe waiting for the right time, and he just never felt like he saw it. And I think the next evolution for him as a player is to make make the opportunities himself by running the ball and and getting the defence watching what he's doing. Um, but, you know, he's still learning to be a halfback and he's at such a high level. I mean, it's nitpicking. Um, but Luai was bad. I, I thought that Kikau was pretty average. Um, you and me had a really good talk about Kikau last night. We'll probably save that for a podcast uh, later on after the season's done. But, um, you know, they got nothing out of Coruscant at dummy half. Yeah, his, is, his service yeah. Was, was poor. Yeah, um, really poor. Luai, when he, when he was kind of pushed into getting involved in the game, which was in that last 10, 12 minutes, mm-hmm. he made a lot of bad decisions. I think I saw one play where he sent, uh, you know, the, the South defence was sliding left. Mm. Or sliding there right, Penrith left. And he sent a really long ball out to the winger. And you instantly knew that he was going to do it and that it was also the wrong option because the defence was coming across in good numbers. Mm. And so the winger then had to either decide whether he's going to go for the corner or come back in field. And since they're going to decide to come back in field, they're running back into oncoming defence. And then... You just look at it and go. Every time that happens, it's a, it's just a, it's a no go play. Nothing's going to happen. Either the the player's going to get bundled into touch, or you're going to have to turn the ball over because it's you know it's the last tackle play. Yeah. And I just thought, why, why would you do that? Like you know, it's a zero percentage play, but that's kind of what he does, and he, he won't take on the line before throwing that ball. Because if he had a, if he had a ran forward while that defence was sliding across, he may have stopped them sliding as hard and straightened up the defence a little bit, which would have created that gap out wide. But he yeah. gets it and throws it before the defence is getting it, so they don't have to they don't even have to break their stride; they just keep sliding across. And look, I think that I think part of it is he's playing what he is seeing in front of him, and I think the reason he's seeing that in front of him is because. The players out. He's he's got nothing basically on the inside of him. He's all, all of the players. The strike players are outside of him, and they're all going. They're all basically running to the sideline. Yeah, and so that's what he's working for. And so the defense knows that if they just slide and they keep him in front of them, he's not. He can't run the ball. There's no one, nowhere to run to. What he needs is the players around him to 
ha- add some wrinkles into that attack, like have Kikau running back on the inside. So at least he can drag the defense back inside and maybe open up something. Uh, and, you know, like Luai, his effort is not the problem. Like his effort is never the problem. No. I just, I, th- I tend to think it's a coaching problem, if anything. And I just think that, you could see it in that game. The Panthers' attack was very simplistic, and when they didn't have anything out of dummy half, they didn't really have anything except trying to smash through the forwards. And, like, the Panthers' pack is almost at that level where they could just roll over the top of you with their forwards, but they're not quite there yet. Um, and because of that, like, I mean, I keep having fantasies of Brandon Smith in this Panthers' side. <laughs> And because he'd be horrible to play against if he was buying this Panthers pack. Because Coruscant, you know, since he stopped getting fed Instagram blondes, he's been terrible. <laughs> uh, he has been. Uh, Am I wrong? I'm, look, I'm not arguing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not arguing. Yeah, he's, his service has been um, quite pedestrian. Mm. Um, yeah, Luai for me, he's he's got that one issue a lot of young halves have got, and they'll have one or two good seasons. Um, Mitch Moses falls in this category a little bit, where they have one or two good seasons where they're they're taken on the line a lot. That's mm. their first instinct, run mm. first, and they wreak havoc. And then, for some reason, something in their brain goes, stop running and pass first. Mm. We saw it with White in a little bit this year. Instead of running the ball as often as he did, he started passing a lot. And when when the passing part of your game is the second best part of your game yeah. after running, your timing as to when to throw those passes is nowhere near good enough. And so you'll either pass it way too late or way too early. And I think yeah. that's kind of where Lua is. I, 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 the last few weeks, I wish I was seeing him running the ball more than he is. He seems to be doing a lot of sideways movement and pass or grubber and sometimes he's or more often than not he's doing that grubber or that pass too early yeah and i i think some of that with him comes from because i think he understands he's a really important part of this this panther side and so i think that he sometimes worries about being the one that dies with the ball yeah but he has to. Like, yeah. The I only agree. way he can have an impact is if he does take that line on. I mean, even if you don't get, you know, if you're 20 metres out from the line and you get tackled 15 metres shy, if mm. the defence knows that there's a chance you will run it on the last, they will hesitate. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want as a half. You want that hesitation. It doesn't have to be for long. It's only got to be for a split second, half a step. That's all it is. You'll get outside your man, you'll create a two-on-one. That's all it takes. And he's... He's making the decision for the defence. Yeah. He's passing the ball. So they just go, he's no longer a threat. And they keep sliding. And all of a sudden, your defence is up 3-2. And when you've got someone like Kiko out there, and he's basically flat-footed half the time, um, because for some reason, the silly bastard doesn't run hard enough when he's running as a decoy, or when he's running back on an angle, he tends to be going off a flat-footed start. I don't know why. Mm. That's frustrating. Um you know, if you've got two defenders on him and he's starting from a flat-footed run, you're going to stop him. Just the law of physics says you will. Yeah. Uh, and so that that's just not quite right. And the thing that's frustrating about that is that left edge has got 2-0 and 
and that big bloody kick out bastard out there. How are they not being able to just destroy teams and score a ton of tries between them? Yeah, it's it's that's their biggest. If they sort that out, it's it's a nightmare for everyone else because you know, and I I feel like there's going to be an issue that comes up with Kikau in terms of his future at the club. We've already heard that you know he wants more money. That I I think since Tavita Pangai Junior turned up, I think it put a rocket up Kikau because all of a sudden he he wasn't the only giant forward that had good footwork and stuff. And the thing that I've liked about Tavita Pango Jr., and I know that they've only got him till the end of the year, he has just put his head down and worked. He hasn't tried to do anything special. He hasn't tried to, you know, throw the ball around and do ridiculous offloads or anything. He's just been a forward. And I think that the I think that him turning up and doing that is has been a wake up call for kick out in some ways. And I think that it is also something that the Panthers will be thinking about. Because if you can pick up, and I know getting to Vita Pango Jr. doesn't happen all the time, but we're in an era of bloody good rugby league forwards right now. And Kikau's already on good money, but if he wants, like, Talmalolo money, why wouldn't you just try and get Talmalolo? You know, and, and that's what I think the Panthers will be thinking, especially when they look at, the future of this team. And this is the youngest team in the competition. It's kind of crazy. Um, I think that they, the Panthers with their move to get to Vita Pangai Jr. They've got this mindset of, look, we are probably one or two pieces away from being a dynasty sort of team. And if we, if we play it smart, we can make that happen. And I think that Kikau is going to be the centerpiece of all of that, either by working out how to use him better or by moving him on and freeing up a bunch of salary cap space and bringing in somebody that it's like, holy shit, I can't believe Penrith got this dude. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, if they if they got rid of Kikau and freed up enough cash, because Capewell's gone as well, mm-hmm. surely they've got enough cash there to put in a genuine offer for Brandon Smith. And you could also get rid of Chorus out that right too if you needed to free up a bit more cash. Yeah. And get Brandon Smith there. That's doable. And yeah. Fuck me, that's a strong team. Yeah, and it's it's not pie in the sky either. Like it's it's gotta be it's gotta be doable. And I, look, I know that Brandon Smith's under contract and everything for the storm. But if and I've said this, I might have said this on the podcast. I know you and me have talked about it. I, I take 900000 and I say to Brandon Smith, 900000 bucks and you're the starting hooker. And I've said this for a bunch of teams, not just Penrith. And I do the same thing for Harry Grant and make it the Storm's problem. Make the yeah, Storm make you, the decision. You go and lay an offer down for both of them. Yeah, yeah. Because, and look, I would, I think for Penrith, I would be willing to do that. I would be willing to go to Payne Haas and do the same thing. I would be willing to go to Jason Talmalolo and offer the same deal. I think that because they've got the juniors that you can bring through, they can fix holes and they can bring in somebody that, you know, is going to be at a lower salary rate. And it's almost a subsidy for this superstar that they will have the ability to bring in. It's a big, bold move, but it's weirdly one that they have available to them. Um, I think it's the only piece left, though, is to fix up that, that hooking role. 
Yeah, and that that's why I kind of lead towards and I, look, I think that the storm would go with Harry Grant. That's why I think Brandon Smith would be the one that I'd target them more than than Grant. Um, and and the idea of a robust ball runner like Brandon Smith behind this absolutely ridiculous Panthers, it's not just their starters, it's their whole pack, even on the bench. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's just the stuff of nightmares. That would be one of the geez, one of the best overall forward rotations I think I've seen in my lifetime. If you could get a Brandon Smith in. It it'd be a pretty complete spine too. Yeah, yeah. And any young one as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I I thought that was probably one of Penrith's worst performances of the year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, if Penrith at their absolute worst can only go down by six points against one of the best attacking teams in the comp this year. Mm-hmm. I think that shows the gap, you know, the the average gap between Penrith and South. Uh, Penrith had to play at their absolute worst to lose to them. Yeah. You know, that, that's kind of where they're at. I don't see Penrith doing two shit performances back-to-back, um, especially not in the final. So I'd, I'd, ex- I'd back them to win uh, this weekend. Coming up, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think South have got to be an awful lot better if they're going to if they're going to make it to the grand final than what they turned out against Penrith. I, look, look they, they weren't atrocious, but I think they're going to need to be better. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, South have a a really nice run into the grand final now, mm. um, and and they'd be heavily favoured favourites to go into the grand final from where they're at. Penrith really missed a trick losing to Souths, and th- th- like there's no excuses. Souths just flat out beat them. Um, but but I would agree with you. It wasn't one of Penrith's best performances. It was pr- really disappointing from them. I thought Souths could play a whole lot better. I mean, well, on their best day, they could play a whole lot better for sure. But um, you know, if that's the worst performance we see from the Panthers in the final series. It's it's not too bad, but they've got they've got to prove it that they can do it. Like you've got to turn up and do it. And there's only so many times you can go into these games and say, "Well, they're the youngest team. They're the youngest team." At some point, you just got to do the fucking job, you know. And uh, I think that that was a lesson against South. You know, they 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 went in, they didn't play good, and they lose. Um, Weirdly enough, they haven't done that too many times over the last couple of years. So, you know, we'll see how they pull up this weekend. Yeah. Um, now, today, Parramatta beat Newcastle 28-20 in a boring game. I I, I, I lost interest in this game very early on. I, I looked up every now and then to watch someone called Mitch have a fuck-up. Um and then at the end of the game, everyone was singing the plaudits of Mitch Moses, so make it that what you will. Uh, Mitch Pierce. Fuck. It's Man. interesting. He he dropped a kickoff. Yeah. It seems near that if you drop a kickoff, that automatically means commentators need to start talking about Ben Hunt. <laughs> That's so true. Every fucking time. Ben Hunt. And Ben he Hunt. Wasn't the, he wasn't the first, and clearly he's not the last. Why is he always the one that they're going to target? Is it just because he dropped it in the grand final? Whoop-de-fucking-do. 
and they act like Ben Hunt has an entire career of choking. Like Ben Hunt is one of the hardest working players on a football field I've even ever seen. And he plays his ass off for that Dragons team. Like he's the only one over the last few years that you could say has been a consistent performer for the Dragons. And yeah, he gets brought up and it's like, geez, can we just give him a bit of a break? Yeah, that's his, all of a sudden he's just poor carriage mark too. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, This game was weird. It was, the Knights played really, really well in points and then just fell apart really quickly in other points and and that ultimately cost them the game. Um, The Eels were the Eels. You know, their their attack isn't anything special. Um, well, they considered a try in the first ninety seconds in the, of mm, the game. Mm. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, this game to me, even before it was played, I just went. I, I have zero interest in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I had next to no interest in the Roosters Titans game because I thought those four teams, mm. they're not a threat. Like, they're just making up numbers in this final series. The Roosters only because of the insane injury issues they've had. If they were able to be full strength this year, they'd be a lot more impressive and a lot more of a threat, but they're not. Um, Titans, I'm surprised they got that close to a win over, you know, bits and pieces of Roosters' side. But never for once did I think they were going to win the game. Um, And Eels and Knights, they don't strike me with anything of... I don't see them being a threat to anyone. I don't think. I don't think Parramatta, after the performance they showed today, mm-hmm. are going to be a threat to Penrith next week. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I th- I think that both of their attacks are struggling, but I feel as though they are. But Parramatta's defence is also struggling, which Penrith isn't. But like yeah. Penrith kept one of the best, strongest attacking sides to 16 points. The yeah. Knights are the second worst attacking team in the comp, and they scored 20 points against Parramatta. Only the Bulldogs are a worse attacking side than the Knights this year. Yeah, that's a good point. I Like, I don't know. I, I, this game that's coming up, and, and we'll talk about this more during the week, but this game versus between the Panthers and Eels, I just think with all the dynamics of... What happened in the second last round with the Eels putting up a big win over the Storm and then coming into the last round, just as they'd clicked and resting everyone like they'd won the minor premiership by six points. And then then they come out in this game against the, the Knights and, I mean, they, they really had to play the full 80 minutes to get that win. I just think that it's there's a lot of interesting dynamics leading into this game. It's by far and away the most interesting contest of the final series, like, so far. Um, I'll put I, it I, this way. I think Parramatta played closer to their full capabilities this weekend mm-hmm. than what Penrith did, which means the room for improvement for both teams mm-hmm. is next to very little for Parramatta and immensely for Penrith. Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel as though, like, you look at the Storm and you look at the Panthers, and less so the Rabbitohs seen after they lost Luttrell. But I feel like the Storm or the Panthers could at any point in this final series, whoever gets, you know, far enough, they could just demolish someone. They could just, we could end up in a game at some point with those teams where it's like, 
oh, this isn't fair. These guys are on a different level. And look, it's most likely going to be the Storm. You know, let's not pretend that they're not the best team in the comp. But I think Penrith has that ability as well. Um, and I don't know that too many of the other teams left do. No. Uh, so that's pretty much it for the, uh, I suppose, recap of the finals footy this week. Yeah, the only other thing maybe we could have a quick talk about, mm-hmm. the West Tigers. Are they in the news, are they? <laughs> you know what? There's been a few articles written about the West Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> If, if I was Michael Maguire, I would be looking at where I can go on a holiday really soon, and it's only going to be within five kilometres of where he lives, unfortunately. So, but yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the West Tigers this week. I wanted to know how, just generally how you feel about all of the noise you've heard this week as a West Tigers supporter. Generally, when you hear you see these many articles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly coming from James Hooper because he's considered himself a West Tigers fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uses his uh, position. It's nothing authority or anything like that, so I couldn't use that word. Yeah. He uses his position to try and push his agenda on what he thinks the West Tigers should do. The problem is... He's a fucking dope, and he doesn't know shit about rugby league. Um, I so think you give him too much credit. You, you see, you see a lot of articles of the West Tigers being linked to certain people. Mm-hmm. Most of them are not linked. They're just theories that Hooper's put out. So, you know, he was linking, it was not just him, but Buzz as well, linking mm-hmm. Flanagan and Paul Green to the coach's job there. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some nonce suggest Brad Fittler. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, then you see all these just random players being linked to the club, like sacked players. Curtis Scott, Curtis, Curtis Adam Scott, Elliott. Adam Elliott. Just look at it going, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it's just dumb bullshit. Um, and the other half of the problem is not just Hooper, but you've got two absolute media whores that are involved in the running of the club, and that's Lee What's-His-Name uh, on the board. Uh, I think he's involved with the sponsor. And um, Potato, they love yakking with the media, mm-hmm. um, and they're idiots. And they're idiots that have got authority at the club, and uh, they're all, the one thing they're not dumb about is they know how to keep their job. Yeah, they're amazing at keeping their job. Yeah. So um, we do have an episode coming up, I promise, during the week mm-hmm. uh, where I might have a, a semi-meltdown about the West Tigers review. The Let's most... call it a semi-meltdown about the West Tigers review. <laughs> we, we, we will. It's, it'll be – it's the most – not the episode, but the review. It will be the most farcical fucking thing that's ever existed. Um, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> It'd be like you and me doing a review of the podcast this year. I reckon we'd rate ourselves pretty well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All those episodes where we didn't release an episode, that was probably some of our best work. <laughs> <laughs> we should have released an episode last night. We talked for hours about footage. It was oh, great. Brilliant. We were researching. Oh. What was it? We did a we did a really deep dive into a subject. Um, 
Oh, what was it? Was it... Um, I mean, there were several. I mean, we were up till very late. Yeah, what? Oh, man, I wish I could remember what it was. Because there was a couple of player names I come up with which were out of left field. I was really impressed. Oh, that was... That was um, you know, name a player who's played against both. Um, he's played against two players: one who's the father and one who's the son. Ah, yes, that's it. Yeah. And we were nailing that. That was oh, like, yeah. we, we were killing it. We had that crushed. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was entertaining. Yeah. Kept us uh, talking about footy-related stuff as per usual. You'd think you know we talk about other stuff in our spare time. We just don't. Just don't. Our our lives, whenever we speak, is just. Podcast episodes. Some we record, some we don't. <laughs> Pretty much, it's like people are yeah. like, "Oh man, it'd be interesting to hear the conversations." Just like we're normally talking about something that happened in nineteen twenty-eight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's just more of the same, except sometimes there's stuff in there that we just we wouldn't be comfortable recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh shit. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's um. So I ask you just quickly. Well, like we'll probably go through this in a bit more detail. But who do you reckon is going to win the two games on the weekend? You got Manly Roosters, Penrith, Parramatta. I think. Look, the Manly Roosters game is a tough one. I I feel as though we could see the Seagulls win just because I keep waiting for the Roosters to just like to it be too much. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that's the only reason. That's the only reason. For the Panthers and Eels, I think it's going to be a real brutal game, especially in the first half, but I would be very disappointed if, if the Panthers lost that. Um, I'm going to be, We're going to be doing a really big review of that game on Wednesday with the special guests, so that'll be interesting. The interesting thing in the whole final series for me is that the Panthers are now on the storm side of the draw. So if they did win that game, they would have to play the Storm in the semi-final. Correct. And I know that some people have been um, have said, "Oh man, that's terrible." I tend to think whenever you're gonna, if you're gonna play the, you're gonna beat the Storm to win the grand final. Doesn't matter when you do it, and you might as well do it before the grand final if you can. Well, yeah, I suppose it's like, good. If if you can if you can beat the Storm in the semi-final. And then going to the grand final against anyone else, man, you're in the box seat. I don't care what team you are. If the Absolutely. Eels do that, I would say the same thing about them. Well, um, I'm going to put huge chunks of the fan bases uh, offside because I think both Manly and Penrith are going to win these their games on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, both teams are going to rack up 40 points each. Oh, wow. That's interesting. It's going to be two floggings just to throw everyone off the set. Like, who the hell are you going to pick for the week after? <laughs> just to throw everything up a bit, but yeah, that that's my my uh, tip there. Okay, that's the interesting one. There you go. Well, should we wrap up this this quick sort of episode? We've given people a few teasers for what's coming up this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since our last podcast. I I, I won't say why, but I just want to thank you, Andrew, and I want to thank Nadine as well. You have both been absolutely amazing to me this week. And uh, I just I just wanted to say it because I really appreciate it. Ah, so worries, mate. Not a problem at all. Um, anytime, anytime. Um, I will just say though, cats are shit. <laughs> oh, jeez. We had a really. That's another thing we talked about last night for a long time, much longer mm. than we should have. Cats. Exactly. It's the shitheads. 
um yeah on that one um people please um go to your your podcast listening device leave us a review please we haven't had any for ages so give us one there so we've got something to talk about um we'll pop it up on the website as well give us a five-star rating as well um make sure you follow us on the uh, socials instagram and twitter at Fergo freak pod we're on linkedin youtube myspace um so check us out on all of those subscribe and like everything that would be absolutely fantastic and uh freaky if they want to send us an email where do they go go to fergo and the freak.com go to the contact section and you'll see a little form just fill that out press send email comes right to us it's fantastic and we'll read that out and, and chat about your email as well on the air that'd be fantastic as well yeah ask us what que- ask us a bunch of questions about the finals yeah and um well, something else we're going to have to have coming up soon too is the uh, the Ferg on the Freak Awards ceremony, the, the King of Rugby League Awards. Yeah, I guess it, it's going to happen earlier this year, seeing as there's not really going to be in the International Rugby League. So um, we'll probably wait a couple of weeks after the season's finished because I don't know if they're going to announce any internationals. I don't think they will, but we'll wait and see. But... It was an international. England played the Exiles. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. Ah, <laughs> oh. oh, that was fantastic. It's always good to end on a high note. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> on that note, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And uh, keep your, your eyes and ears peeled because we're going to have a few more episodes through the week. Uh, so catch us all later. <laughs>